I don't know much about birds. I feel it would be best to put that out there right away, before I get an angry mob of responses about how I use the wrong word to describe this or that behavior or attribute of a crow. I'm not a bird expert, I've never read any books about birds, but luckily, none of that is relevant anyway. This isn't a story about birds. This is a story about one very particular, very special fellow. About three months ago, I was hanging out on my back patio, watching the trees that divided my yard from that of the neighbors, when a small to medium-sized black bird just drop-landed right there on the arm railing of the deck. I had never been so close to one of these things before, and froze in an effort to not scare it away. It looked around for a while, but eventually, it started making its way along the railing a little closer towards my chair. I couldn't believe it. What was this bird thinking? It was around this time that the thought occurred to me. It might be relevant that I held in my lap a large bowl of Chex Mix. Now, one thing I have learned since my first meeting with this crow is that salty junk food is not good for birds. Not that it's good for humans, but I didn't know that then, and I'm sure a little tree now and then won't kill these guys. So, I grabbed a little pretzel and slowly extended my arm to the bird. It hopped back a little. It almost looked like it was going to fly off, so I quickly dropped the food and retracted my arm. Luckily, my hand was already close enough to the bird that the pretzel landed on the same patio railing on which the crow still stood. After a while of seeming hesitation, the crow made its way over and pecked up the snack. It was then I could no longer help it and let out one hearty, joyous laugh. I had no idea how interesting watching this animal simply eat could be, and to be the one to feed it. I would have never guessed I'd have such an experience with a bird, considering I wasn't a bird watcher, and I didn't care to keep around bird feed or interact with the wildlife whatsoever, really. I enjoyed nature in the look-at-that-sky kind of way, but I never was one to keep a pet, or wrangle lizards, or whatever animal people do. But this experience opened my eyes to what rewards could come from such an interest. I put another piece of food on the rail, and this time he didn't back up at all, and gobbled it up real quick. Almost immediately after he was done, he flew off, landing on a tree at the edge of the yard. I let out a couple more laughs, ate some more of my checks, and headed inside. I chalked the whole incident up to a strange, otherworldly happening, a crossing of the wires between animal and human domains. But, oddly enough, not a week passed before the very same crow came and landed almost exactly where it had landed the days previous, right on the arm rail of the back patio. This time I was eating Funyuns. Something about that particular snack seemed, even to me, not a great idea for a crow to try to get at, so I carefully and slowly crept inside to get some saltines. Also, not good for crows, but I didn't know that at the time. I went to lay a piece of a cracker down on the flat-topped rail, but before I could even lay it atop the surface, 
He pecked it straight out from my fingers. I retracted my arm to my chest instantly in reaction and started giggling like a little girl. This bird didn't seem to be scared of me at all anymore. I fed it a few more pieces, and the encounter came to a close when he snatched an entire cracker out from between my fingers and flew off beyond the trees, out of my sight. What an awesome evening, I thought to myself as I headed back in, still skeptical such an encounter would ever happen again. But sure enough, over the course of the next month, the little crow came to visit me more than five times, and that continued more or less moving on. Some weeks the guy wouldn't come up to me, but some weeks I wouldn't go out to them. We all have our busy schedules, you know. It was around that time, in the early stages of my friendship with the bird, that I started buying some unsalted peanuts to offer the guy whenever he's around. And I guess I should also admit, I don't know if the crow is male or female, but he gives me masculine vibes, so I'm just going to go with that. Well, there are lots of little anecdotes I could give you, aside from the ones already stated in my time hanging with the crow. But in all honesty, that's not anywhere near the point of this post. The reason I'm even typing this up right now at all is because of what has happened since the beginning of May, so about two weeks ago. I was doing my usual thing, hanging out on the plastic chair out back, watching the trees, a bag of peanuts at my feet just in case my little friend decided to come by. I spotted him up at the top of the tallest oak and got out a peanut to try and grab his attention. Sure enough, he was taking it from my fingers within a matter of seconds, and then he flew off, immediately, like he was in a rush or something. After I was pretty confident he wasn't coming back, I headed back inside. Later that evening, as I was getting ready for bed, I peeked out of the back window, and something caught my attention. It looked like there was something stuck into a crack in the patio chair I usually sit in, on the backrest between two rubber flaps. I threw on my slippers and lumbered out to see what it was. As I uncrumpled what I thought was a dirty old receipt in my hands, I found instead a very dirty but very real $100 bill. I walked over and held it right under the back patio light to make sure I wasn't seeing things, and sure enough, my eyes didn't lie, old Benjamin Franklin staring me down. I looked around the yard, drenched in darkness like I expected to see something. I felt like I was being pranked or something. $100 bills don't just fall from the sky and end up in your outdoor furniture. As I was falling asleep that night, I had the craziest thought. The thought that, perhaps, it was the old crow that slipped the Benjamin into my chair. I laughed internally at the absurdity of such a happening, 
There was no way, simply no way, a bird would get a hold of such a valuable bill, let alone give it to me as a gift. But life is one strange beast. A few days later, as I sat with my peanuts waiting to see if anyone wished to pay me a visit, my bird friend suddenly appeared right in front of me, standing on the wooden planked floor instead of his usual spot on the railing. And then I noticed something in his mouth. After looking around for a moment, he quickly wedged the thing in his mouth between two floorboards and made his way a little closer to me. I handed him the peanut, and he quickly flew off. I watched him fly off into the sunset beyond the tree line. So I looked down. Another, what seemed to be a piece of paper, sticking up out of the ground. I knew before I even saw enough to know. Sure enough, it was another hundred. I looked back to the tree line and shook my head in giddy disbelief. Thank you, my little crow friend, I thought to myself. Two hundred dollars for a few peanuts within a few days is pretty good, if you ask me. But then it happened again, two days later. And then the day after that. Now, I need to make one thing clear. I am, in no way, complaining, nor would I have any reason to complain, not in the slightest. Free money is not something to be pitied for. However, the third and fourth time this happened turned me from purely giddy to a little unnerved, and then quite unnerved. These were real hundred-dollar bills, people. And cash like that does not just end up in a gutter somewhere. And for a bird to find four different hundreds like that within a week's time? That just doesn't happen. That simply cannot be a coincidence. And if it's not a coincidence, then where is it coming from? I had the horrible realization that someone could come looking for this money. Say, this crow is crawling in through the vents to some old man's backyard storage bunker or something, and stealing some guy's life savings, one hundred at a time. That particular scenario may be a stretch, I know, but something like it, maybe? All I knew was that this money came from somewhere and therefore, from someone. But who? A couple of nights ago, I decided I'd try and follow the little guy after he pays me a visit. He usually flies off in the same direction every time, and there's a road I can hop on that goes that very same way. I figure if I booked it, I might be able to spot him, or if not him, Maybe one of his own crow buddies, flying in some general direction that would be useful. I wasn't sure, but I needed to try something to get to the bottom of this, and make sure I wouldn't end up on the wrong end of some weird legal nightmare. 
No, your honor, I did not steal this money. A bird gave it to me. It was last night. I had been sitting out on my back porch for about three hours, watching the tree line, and waiting for the little guy to come on by. The sun was beginning to set, and I figured my friend just wasn't coming by tonight. Maybe tomorrow, I told myself. But just as I was about to get up, the little fellow flew right down and landed on his usual spot about three feet away on the railing. I was excited, and especially excited, to see he wasn't carrying any money with him this time. The way I was thinking, that meant he may not have visited wherever he's getting the money from yet today, but he still may. My foot was tapping on the floor a little more frantically than usual as I waited for him to fly off. He took a couple of peanuts, and then just as quickly as he'd arrived, he was off. And so was I. I ran across the yard and jumped in my Chevy. I peeled out quicker than I ever had before, and started on down the neighborhood road, running a stop sign to turn quickly onto the road heading the direction of the crow. I was gunning it down this road, and the sun, though setting it, was still shining quite a bit of light into the sky. My eyes dashed frantically between the road and the sky. And then, there he was, the crow. Or at least I assumed that was him, because I really couldn't tell from this distance. He was a good ways ahead of me and off to my left. It looked like he was heading to another forest, which made my heart skip because I didn't know how I'd be able to follow him. But just as he was about to enter the horde of trees, I spotted a little dirt path that squiggled off from the main road and into that very same forest. It was one of those paths wide enough for only one vehicle, one way. I hesitated for only a moment, before jerking the old car off of the safety of the asphalt and into the unknown of the trees. I was immediately plunged into what felt like thick, heavy darkness. I wasn't prepared for how little light came through the branches from the setting sun. I slammed the brakes, feeling like I could ram into a tree easier than not. But luckily, within a few moments... My eyes adjusted enough to make out that the trees were still to both of my sides. I let out a sigh of relief and slowly began inching forward again. A few minutes down the path, I felt like an absolute idiot. The bird was completely out of my line of sight now, and what were the odds of me finding it again in this thick foliage? And just as that thought floated across my mind, I realized the dirt path wasn't even wide enough for me to turn around. My only options are sticking this thing in reverse and praying to God I don't hit a tree going out the back that way, or I could try to find my way out the other end by continuing on the direction I'm headed. Mulling between the two for a few seconds, I just decided to keep on going 
Both options seemed bad, so I just stuck with the path of least resistance. The sun was now gone, and my headlights were on. I had been driving down this path for a long while now, no less than 30 minutes. I was growing quite worried now. The road hadn't changed a bit since I got on, aside from the winding from this side to the next. It was like I was going around in circles. But just as I was about to take out my phone to call someone, I saw a glimmer, a brief reflection of some kind in the distance up ahead. As I moved on ahead, I found myself at the entrance of a large rusted gate that appeared abandoned. Judging from the weeds and vines that littered the ground and hung from the metal, as well as the side halfway rusted off the top that I could see red, Merlin's Cemetery of Christ. I looked back down and ahead, looking to see what lied beyond the gate. Sure enough, ancient-looking headstones stuck out of the ground at jagged angles, looking like they had been misplaced by some supernatural raising of the earth. But, despite the more or less abandoned look, the dirt path I had been driving on continued into and through this cemetery, and judging by the lack of weeds, or anything up ahead, it seemed to have been traversed by someone, somewhat recently. So, I continued on in, figuring there must be some other entrance or exit that's known and used more often. It's a really strange feeling, being in a cemetery at night. You just don't feel alone, even if you are. It's like you can feel the heart of those past still beating below you the vein still bleeding beneath your feet. But being in an abandoned cemetery at night, that's a different story altogether. It's like you're not supposed to be there. It's like you can feel the eyes staring up at you from down below, and they are not happy to see you. I wanted to get out of there as quickly as humanly possible. As I continued moseying along in my car, looking around in search of an exit desperately, I noticed something that stood out off to the left near a tree in the distance. Something that looked like an old sack or backpack or something. I stared at it for a while, but I just couldn't figure out what it was. So, eventually, I decided to just take the opportunity while I was out here and put the car in park so I could take a quick peek. I got the flashlight app on my phone up and running and started making my way over. I was about ten feet away when I noticed. I gasped and grabbed in my mouth instinctively out of a mixture of shock and fear. It was no backpack lying on the ground. No. The strange colors that had popped out at me to make me notice the shape were in fact the deep blue of blue jeans 
and the deep red of blood. It was the body of a man, no older than fifty, dressed up in a black hoodie, laying face down on the ground right beside a tree, a large streak of blood coating the entire side of this tree and soaking most of the hoodie. Still covering my mouth, I looked a little further down to see he held in his left hand, still, somehow, a shovel. The moment my body unfroze, I looked all around, twitching frantically in anxiety the likes of which I hadn't experienced since the fearful ignorance of boyhood. But no one was around. I looked past the tree and the body to see another lump in the distance, reminiscent of the first. I felt like I was going to be sick, but my curiosity wouldn't let me run. I inched around the body and moved on to the next, and a body it indeed was. Similar, but different in some ways. This was a middle-aged looking man as well, though much skinnier. He had a black ski mask to pair with both his black hoodie and black sweatpants. This guy was trying to be sneaky, I thought to myself. But apparently he wasn't, I countered to myself, as I realized the source of the red liquid that soaked his clothes and the ground around him. Both of his hands were missing. I took a few steps back, bumbling over and puking all over some ancient-looking gravestone. I would have felt guilty for defacing some poor soul's final resting place, but the circumstances that had just preceded this kept me from fully being able to care to any degree of any substance. Looking up and ahead, I saw my car, still parked with the lights on, maybe 50 feet away. I was ready to book it straight over and drive as long as I had to to get out when I suddenly heard something behind me Something very familiar. It was the friendly, familial caw of my wild old friend. I turned around, waving the light to try and see the source of the sound. All I saw were the bodies, and the forest, and the darkness. But the caws kept coming so I kept inching my way forward. I eventually came upon my little bird friend, stood atop a gravestone. He was a welcome sight in a way, but in another way it almost felt like it didn't matter anymore. I just wanted to get the hell out of there. I actually felt worried for him as well. I had the slightest of urges in that moment to try grabbing hold of his twiggy little legs and running off back to my car as fast as possible, but then I noticed the hundred dollar bill dangling from his beak. 
my mind quieted suddenly. I began stepping forward and around the bird and the gravestone it stood upon. As I made it to the other side, I was shocked to find the grave had been unearthed and defaced. A large pile of dirt sat directly in front of the grave, a cavernous pit hiding down in the earth below. Pure darkness. I flashed my light onto the face of the gravestone, but wind and rain and time had worn any readable type away long ago. Looking up, I saw the crow had turned to continue looking at me, that bill still in its mouth. I stared deep into the eye of that animal. It was like it knew that I knew or more so, that I wanted to know. It just kept staring, not moving, not dropping the bill or flying off, just waiting, like it wanted me to do something, or see something. I eventually peered back into that unholy, cavernous pit dug out of the ground before the tombstone. It felt immoral to even gaze down there, not knowing what site the grave robbers might have left it in. But curiosity is what got me into this mess to begin with, and curiosity is what led me to shine my flashlight down into the depths of that cacophonous grave. I almost didn't comprehend what my eyes beheld at first, but moment after moment of soaking it in, the picture couldn't help but to be developed. I found myself staring down into an open casket. Inside of this open casket lay a skeleton. Shreds of clothing still clung to the remains but a good 95% of it had wasted away. But that's not what took me so long to take it in. You see, his torso, or what was left of it, was completely exposed. No clothing whatsoever to cover the ribcage. But that's not it. His ribs were filled bottom to top, to the very brim, with stacks of hundred-dollar bills taped up in equal proportions. It was as though his insides had been scooped out and replaced with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of cash, and it was only his ribcage. There were no Benjamins sticking out of his eye sockets or jaw or anywhere else around his limbs or in the casket. Just in and under and up and through his ribcage. I don't know, but if I had to guess, I'd assume there were more than six figures worth of cash there. I probably stood there for five minutes trying to understand what I was looking at, and every time I'd look up to the bird 
it meet my gaze immediately, like it had already been staring. The last time I stared down into the grave, a thought popped into my mind. A thought that, as probably, already popped into yours. Why don't I take some? Sure, the cops are going to be notified when this is all said and done, and I have to imagine they're going to end up taking all of this, but there are like hundreds of stacks here. What harm would one measly little stack of bills do? I'm sure the cops wouldn't be able to tell there was one less. But just then I gazed back up to find the crow staring at me very head on like it wanted eye contact. And the moment it got it, something happened. It's going to be difficult for me to describe it, but I'll do my best. Here it goes. The moment my eyes locked back onto the birds, it was like the light on my flashlight began to dim out. Everything beginning to plunge rapidly to darkness, except for the face of the bird. Suddenly, all I could see was the crow and the dollar bill it held in its mouth. Its eyes began to grow and grow, and suddenly they were the size of softballs, and would have looked cartoony had it not looked so indescribably real. And as it raised its beak, and the bill began to fall, it spoke a single word. And as it spoke this single word, the bird evaporated, transformed into a plume of mist or smoke, and this plume of smoke itself transformed into the written form of this word for the briefest of moments before disintegrating into the air. The word the crow spoke in a deep and rasping voice was, No. My flashlight was suddenly back in my peripheral, illuminating the world in front of me, but the bird was nowhere to be seen. What followed next is really just one big blur. A blur of branches and wind racing past me, and then I was flying down some dirt path. The next thing I knew, I was back on the country road that connects back to my house. When I caught my breath, I got out my phone and dialed 911. They said I had visited some cemetery out in the middle of the woods, and it looked like there had been some kind of accident. I gave them the directions and hung up before they could ask me any more questions. Not that they couldn't trace my phone or anything, but I just couldn't think straight in that moment. I didn't sleep much last night. I called into work this morning and took my coffee outside. I sat on the back patio, waiting, waiting for that crow. 
I sat back there more or less all day today. I just came back inside no more than an hour ago, after the sun had long since set. My friend never did show up. I guess I'm going to have to come to terms with the possibility that what I saw out there was not a hallucination. If it wasn't, well, then I guess there's a good chance I won't be seeing that little crow ever again. Thank you for listening to tonight's episode of Clancy Pasta. Tonight's episode was titled, A Crow Started Bringing Me $100 Bills, and it was written and narrated by Clancy Pasta, aka me. I need to give an absolutely gigantic, huge, huge, huge thanks to all of my Patreon supporters and YouTube member supporters, and my one uh, Spotify supporter right now. Thank you so much. All the $2 up supporters are uh, flying by on the screen at the moment, but I need to give a verbal thank you to all of my $5 and up supporters on Patreon right now. So huge thank you to Gabriel B, Uma Manic, Anglomania, Carlos A, Downey Dolphin, Dweller, Fullor, Jared B, Lydia P, Ref, Skylar May Morningstar, Tim W, Angelo L, A Rodko, Captain Morgan, Daniel O, Goober, Jessica D, Leia S, Miss PM, Monica A, Nordraven, Stephen W, Todd B, Tumultuous Tay, Vanessa, XXX Chill Factor XXX, Yes Sir, Dexton D, Obsidian Blade 87, Gen X Josh, MC Monkey Man, King Doucette, David L, Chief Aslan, and Eyeless J. Thank you all so much for your support. I could not bring you guys these stories without your support. It means so much and helps out so much. If you would like to join these lovely fellows and support the show, you can always go to patreon.com slash clancypasta. And for just a dollar a month, every single episode that gets posted to YouTube now uh, gets posted on there at basically the same time ad-free. So no ads, that means no pre-rolls, that means no post-rolls, that means no mid-rolls. Uh, so for just a dollar a month, uh, you get all new episodes ad-free at patreon.com slash clancypasta. And even if you don't care about that, it's a great way to help uh, support and contribute to the show. Okay, well, thank you all so much for listening. I really hope you enjoyed tonight's story, and I will talk to you all very soon. Have sweet dreams, everyone. Cheers. <laughs>